This morning, we're glad to be here. 
Uh, before we uh, continue to sing, say hello to someone around you. You be- 
Amen. Well, welcome to North Star. We're so glad that you've chosen to join us today to worship the Lord together. Uh, we're praying for you. We're praying for the service and just hoping to bring glory and honor to the Lord as we sing and worship to him. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. And if this is your first time or maybe you've been here a couple of times, we're, we're excited and we're glad uh, that you've chosen to come join us uh, to worship the Lord together today. You can have a seat for just a few moments. We're going to go into a time of collecting our tithes and offerings. This is something that we do out of obedience to what God has called us to do in Scripture. Giving back, recognizing that everything we have is from the Lord. So we give back out of obedience to the work and ministry that the Lord's doing here in our community. If this is your first time, we don't want you to feel obligated to give it unless the Lord leads you to. But if you are new to North Star, we would love to be able to connect with you I want to encourage you to take this opportunity to grab the handout that you received when you came. And at the bottom, there's a spot for you to give us a little bit of information about yourself. And uh, in a few moments, you'll have the opportunity to drop that in the bucket as it uh, passes. Uh, One of our goals is is to help people connect to a growing relationship with Christ and other people. Uh, as fellowship with the Lord and fellowship with other believers. We would love to be able to connect with you. And we're praying for you as as you try to find a place to worship the Lord. And if this is where the Lord leads you, we would love for you to join what the Lord's doing here at North Star. Uh, there are a lot of other great churches around in our community. Um, our, our hope is that you would find a place to f- plug in and fit and be used by God. I want to pray for us and ask the Lord to bless the time that we have. We're going to sing some more. We're going to look in his word together. Uh, but let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for who you are. Uh, for meeting us here this morning. I pray that as, Lord, we, we give, that you would take honor in that and out of the obedience of our hearts, Lord, as we continue to sing. Lord, speak to us today. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear uh, from your word. We love you, and Lord, we're just grateful for the opportunity that we have today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Now, for I counted up. The- 
the cross and all my wealth is in the cross I will not boast in riches I have no pride in gold but I will boast in Jesus and in his name alone my wealth is in the cross there's nothing more I want than just to You can be seated. Lord, and we hold that to be true, that our wealth is in the cross. Lord, right now we thank you for, for this opportunity of worship. And, and as we continue to worship through, through the reading of your word, I pray that we will focus our attention on you. That you will speak to us. Love you. 
It's in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? We're good? If you got your Bibles, we're going to go back to 1 John, and we're going to pick up in chapter 2, where we left off last week, and we've been kind of looking at going through this book around this idea of assurance that John was writing to a group of house churches in and around Ephesus, just giving them confidence to understand the difference between those who are followers of Christ and those who are not, affirming them in their faith that they have come to know and believe in the name of Jesus. Um, before I do, I do want to make a quick comment. Um, I made a comment back in the summer and just wanted to um, mention it again. I've had some questions, and uh, since the beginning of this uh, location at North Star, we've streamed the messages of our services from Saltillo. And so since the summer, we're kind of taking a break. Uh, we're not going away completely from that, but we're just taking a break and uh, just seeking the Lord's direction in uh, our church. And we still hope to stream some more. Um, but until we do, well, there's going to be somebody here preaching uh, live. And so that's kind of where we are and what we've been doing the last several, uh, last few months. But then I also want to mention to continue to pray for those who've been affected by the Hurricane Harvey around the Texas coastline. If you'd like to uh, donate and support, you can go to our website, ns.church, and there's two links on the front page. One goes to the North American Mission Board. You can give towards uh, them. Uh, one of the things that when you give uh, regularly to our faith commitment offering, this is the offering that we have uh, that we use specifically for different missions and ministry partnerships that we have. And one of them is the North American Mission Board. So when you give to Faith Commitment Giving, uh, we already support the disaster relief team, the sin relief efforts through the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist. Uh, but also, if you want to donate uh, specifically to the relief efforts, you can go to the website and click on that link. There's also a second link uh, that goes to... Eight, Eight Days of Hope website. There's some different things there you can uh, look at and see the needs that they have as well and donate to them. Their headquarters is in Tupelo, uh, so that's something local that um, goes out and meets needs in this type of situations. Um, in, uh, I want to pray for us, and then we'll dive into Scripture together. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to look at your Word. Lord, I pray that as we address this today that you would uh, speak to us, give us clarity, uh, open our eyes to see the truth of the gospel uh, in this message today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. We're going to be in chapter 2, but before we do that, I want to kind of share. Uh, last week, we looked, as we looked at uh, chapter 1, and we referenced chapter 3. In chapter 3, verse 10, it says, By this it is evident who are the children of God. Who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So when we look at those who are in the faith and those who are not, those who are in the world, sometimes it's obvious. Uh, and scripture says here, it's, it's evident, it's obvious. Those who are uh, born of God, those who are sons of the devil, it's evident. Um, but sometimes it's not always that, ev that clear for us. Now, for some people, there's, we've got the Tony Evans, the, the Jeannie Allens, the, the Miles McPhersons, those, those 
leaders of faith that we would say, yeah, these guys are for sure followers of Christ. And then we've, we know some people in, uh, whether it's pe- famous people or our friends that are living in the world, we know it's, it's clear. There's a clear line drawn that those, these people are not of God. They're not, they don't have that saving faith in Jesus Christ. But what about the, the people that are kind of in the middle? There are people who, who have, who claim and proclaim the name of Jesus, who have fruit. The fruit may not look as healthy as other believers' fruit in their life, but there is fruit there, doing the, the bare minimum of living out the, the Christian faith. But then there's also some moral people who aren't saved, that if you're not careful, the people who are just doing the bare minimum of living out the Christian faith and those who are who just consider themselves good people, they look very similar in their life. So how do we how do we see the difference? How do we know who's a follower of Christ and who's not? Well ultimately nobody knows the heart, but there's some things that in scripture that teach us uh, how we can discern the difference. In in chapter two verse nineteen, John gives us some uh, indicators. He says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. And that last phrase right there, they would have continued with us. That's, that's the test. It's really a test of time. So those who are faithful followers of Christ, even though they may struggle in sin, if they're actually in Christ, they will continue in Christ. But if they're not, at some point or another, they're going to turn and not follow any longer. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, there were these, these people, they were even considered disciples. But in chapter 6, it says they, at one point they turned and they no longer followed Jesus. And I, I, I think this is exactly what John's referring to in verse 19 that says they went out from us, but they proved to be not of us. Because if they would have, they would have continued with us. And so this morning, we're going to kind of look at some, some instruction in chapter 2 that John gives believers, and we're going to focus in around verses 15 through 17. So if, you, if you're there, uh, follow along with me. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So this morning we're going to spend our time focusing on this passage. And the first thing he says in verse 15, the first thing we look at is this phrase. He tells us, he says, do not love the world. It's the first thing he points us to. And this, this phrase, do not love the world, may on the surface seem kind of crazy because didn't, didn't Jesus, in, in John 3.16, doesn't it say, for God so loved the world? But here John, in 1 John 2, he says, do not love the world. What's he talking about? How do we understand what he's referring to? Well, a couple things that I want to point out is that it's not referring to it, that when he says, do not love the world, it's not telling us to rebuke or renounce everything that looks worldly. 
right? And I'll give you an example. For, for some people, it's, it's music. A lot of people, if it's not Southern gospel, if it's not Christian music, we're going to renounce it, all right? And it's not necessarily what it's referring to. Um, and, and just to further evidence of the Holy Spirit is living in my life. I got saved in 1993. Think about some of the music. If you've grown up in church, think about some of the music that we had in the 90s. Think about some of the, the Christian music. Uh, the music, man, some of it was just awful versions of secular music, all right? You've got the, the point of grace. Now, you may, be, you may love point of grace. That's okay. But, man, my mom's here. And I'm not going to tell you that she was in a Point of Grace singing group, um, just for her sake. And so that's some of the music that I had to listen to when I was growing up. And they, they said if you played rock music and put it in front of plants, that the flowers would grow in another direction. All right? That's crazy. That's not what it's talking about. When it says, do not love the world, you, can't, look, you can be legalistic and, and go to the extremes and say, like, Jesus loves Southern gospel, and that's the only thing you, you can uh, listen to. And if you don't listen to this music, you're worldly and you're not of God. You can go to that extreme, but that's not really what it's talking about. Also, growing up in church, I had to dress a certain way. All right? I had to look sharp on Sunday mornings. I had to look sharp on Sunday nights. And if you think about the most laid-back uh, service in a, in a Christian church, it's got to be Sunday night, right? But and if you know my dad, you would think this is, sounds pretty crazy. But he told me that, Andrew, I know it's Sunday night, but you've got to wear something nicer than a T-shirt. I'm thinking, man, come on. I was in high school, or I was in, I don't know how old I was when he told me that. We had to look sharp, and it's sometimes we can go to an extreme when we look at certain verses of the Bible and really miss the the deeper the meaning of what it's really referring to. Uh, it's not saying that we've got to renounce everything. Now, if there's evil in the world, yeah, we've got to rebuke that. But there are some good things that God has declared good, some things that He made for us for our joy. And that's not necessarily what it's referring to when it says do not love the world. Another thing that it's not referring to is that we don't hate culture or the people in the world. Sometimes people take just bits of scripture and, 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 and try to squeeze them and form them into their own opinions to where it would line up. And so some people take this verse and say, and it says do not love the world. So, okay, that means I've got to hate the world. I've got to do some extreme opposite. If it's telling me not to love something, I've got to hate it. But that's not really what it's referring to. And I want to encourage you, uh, please, if, if you see a, a passage in Scripture, a verse, and you begin to form an opinion around it, test it to see if it's consistent with other passages. Test it to see if it's consistent in the chapter that it's in. Because sometimes you'll find that, yeah, sometimes we see Scripture and we feel like this is what it means and we test it and we say, yeah, this, this affirms what I was thinking that it meant. But then sometimes we say, all right, this, this, does this really mean what we think it means? Look at chapter 2, verse 9. So if verse 15, if do not love the world means that we hate the world, but we test it against the other parts, the tone of this chapter, look at verse 
9, it says, Whoever he says is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. See, some people take pieces of Scripture to fit their own views and mask the Bible as a means to display their hate for the world. That's evil. And any time we have an opinion about Scripture, we've got to test it to see if it's from God, to see if it's consistent with the rest of the book. And I encourage you to do that, to, to test it. To, don't just read it and think, all right, this, is, this might mean this, but test it to see if that is indeed what it means. So we know that it doesn't mean hate, that we, we, aren't, we aren't to hate the world, we aren't to hate our brothers. So what does it mean? Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. I want to encourage you, uh, and I've said this before, the best commentary on the Bible sometimes is the Bible itself. If there's a piece of Scripture that you don't really understand, keep reading, keep going, because sometimes the Lord illuminates things and explains itself. So we look at verse 16, and it explains it for us. He says, for all that is in the world, here it is right here, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. It says, this is not from the Father, but it's from the world. This is what we're not supposed to love. All right? So let's look at this a little deeper. Some translations say the word, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. This word desire here comes from the Greek word epithumia. Epithumia, or lust, is a desire that has taken too much weight or a, a craving on our life. Such a way that it controls you. That's, that's what it's referring to. It's, it's, a, it's a desire or it's a craving that takes on such a great weight in your life that it controls you. So apply that to the eyes and the flesh. It says the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes. These are very similar and what that's referring to is that when we see something, and we, we see something, we've just got to have it. We, we come to believe that we wouldn't be happy unless we had it. That's what that, that craving that controls you is referring to. That if there's something, it can be evil, it can be good. It can be something that God has created and declared good. It can be even something that the Lord has made. If we have a desire and it controls us, that we crave it, then we come to believe that it would not, that we, our happiness is dependent upon that. That's what it's referring to, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Or another, uh, another way it could... If, if in our pursuit for it, if it causes us to compromise our faith, if it's something, even if it's good, even if it's something that the Lord has declared good, if it, if, if it causes us to compromise our faith, disobey the commands of Christ to get it, that's what it's referring to. It says, don't love these things. Don't love this craving, this, this lust, the epithumia. And then it says, the pride of life. What is the pride of life? This is when we put our focus on the wealth that we have, our possessions or our accomplishments, so much that we boast on them rather than giving the glory to God for these things. Whatever it is, if it's, if it's wealth, if it's your job, if it's the family, and it can manifest itself in a couple ways. One is that when we look at our accomplishments and we start to boast and brag about them, like something we've done, 
And I know some of, some of us, man, we've, we came from nothing and we've worked hard to build our family. We've worked hard to get to where we are in life. But when you forget the Jesus who has made provisions for you and you just begin to boast in the things you've done rather than the opportunity that God has placed in front of you. When we fail to recognize and give glory and credit to the Lord for the blessings and joys in our life, that's when the pride of life creeps in. Another way that uh, the pride of life manifests, manifests itself in our life is when we begin to look at these things for our stability and security. Life has a way of taking our treasure, taking our family, taking the things that we've worked for away from us. It's important to know what you're anchored to. So if you're anchored to the, the treasures that you've laid up here on earth, what happens when they pass away? What happens when everything you've worked towards and the world, uh, the bottom, uh, falls out? See, if you're anchored to Christ, you're still able to stand because Christ, his word, is the only thing in life that's not going to pass away. But if we're anchored to our accomplishments, our wealth, we need to be careful lest the, the Lord or the world takes them away from us. And I've seen this. There's a family that used to be in our church that's no longer in our church. They were anchored to the skill set that they were using to glorify God. And instead of giving credit to the Lord, as soon as that, that craft, that skill was taken from him, his life fell apart. It's because he was anchored. He was putting his, 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 the stability, the strength in his talent rather than the one who gave him his talent. So the first thing we see in here is, is to not love the world. And the second thing this points to is to keep ourselves from idols. It, what, it, what it boils down to is idolatry. Let's look back at verse 15. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Now, I don't, uh, if you were here several weeks ago, we looked at John chapter 21. In John 21, Jesus has this conversation with Peter. And one of the things that Jesus asks Peter is if he says, do you love me more than these? And Peter's response, he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And one of the things we looked at was the language that was used, that Jesus used. And the language for love, if you remember that, if you were here, we looked at that the love that God was asking of, that Jesus was asking of Peter was agapeo love. What this is, is it's the highest, the most purest expression of love that we can give, and it's reserved for the Lord. All right? And so Jesus is asking Peter, he says, do you agape with me? And Peter says, look, I don't. At least I'm being honest, but I, I don't agape you, I phileo you, I, I, I love you with a brotherly affection. So if you, I want to encourage you to, to look at this in that light. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, he says, do not love the the world. Get your concordance out. Go to blueletterbible.org. Type in this, this passage and see the language that is used for love. It's the same. He says, do not agape the world. Do not esteem the world to this highest affection of love. This is reserved and worthy of God alone. So we could see that this is a matter of idolatry. He says, do not, uh, 
devote this type of affection to the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, when we, when we first put our faith in Christ, when we get baptized, there's, there's some energy that comes from that. There's some joy that comes from that. And there are moments in our life where we go through this, these times where we're spiritually full, that we're satisfied completely in the Lord. But it's, not, it's oftentimes, it's not long before that newness or that excitement begins to, to wear off. And... The world is competing for our affections. And if you look at the Old Testament and the, the nation of Israel, this was, couldn't be more true. God saves the nation of Israel out of Egyptian captivity. But how long was it before they made comments and started complaining about how they longed to be back in Egypt? What was it, a month? Maybe two months? You know, God provided... For the nation of Israel, he gave them uh, food, he gave them water, he gave them, uh, he, he, he gave them uh, provided shelter for them, gave them these little booths that they were to live in. But it was never enough. So when it comes to the Lord and it comes to the world, the cravings that we have, the thing that we've got to understand is, is Jesus sufficient for you? In Romans, Paul writes in chapter 8, and he says, the God, he, he, he spared His Son for us. How will He not in Him give us all things? So the pride of life, this, these cravings for worldly passions, and, and even the things that God has created begin to creep into our life when we get to the point in our life that, that Jesus is not enough for us. And we start seeking these cravings out in other patterns. The, the last verse in this letter, chapter 5, the very last sentence that John writes to these churches. He says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. This is consistent with the things that he's writing and the things that we're talking about in chapter 2 and not loving for the world, not elevating this love for the world over our love and affection for the Father, cherishing Jesus above all. So what, it, what is an idol? Tim Keller says this, he says, if anything becomes more fundamental than God to your happiness, to the purpose, your meaning in life, and identity, then it's an idol. It is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give you, that's becomes an idol in your life. And sometimes we look at idols in, as things that we don't have, that we crave, that we want to have. But then if some, sometimes the idols in our life are things that we're terrified of losing that we already have. He also says that a counterfeit God, an idol, is anything so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. And this goes back to what you're anchored to. If it's Scripture and if it's Jesus, then when these things in life, these desires in life, when they, when they pass away, because they will, everything in this world is going to pass away. But what you're anchored to is the key. How do, we, how do we address the idols in our life? One, we've got to 
continue to believe that Jesus is enough. We got to continue to believe that he's sufficient for us, that he provides for us and trust in him. Two, we've got to repent. We've got to ask the Lord to show us in our life where we've built up idols in our life before the Lord. Sometimes it's not always that clear to us. Sometimes we're blinded and deceived by the idols that are actually in front of us. So we go to the Lord in prayer and we ask him to reveal that. And as he reveals that, we repent and we turn and we ask the Lord to turn our hearts back to Christ. And then we obey. We obey. We, we bear fruit in keeping with repentance. As God changes our heart and our new behavior comes obedience to his commands and the things that he's called us to. Let's look back in, at verse 17. This is, and the world is passing away along with its desires. No reasonable person would invest their money into a corporation that is for sure to go bankrupt. Nobody's going to give and contribute to something that's going to sink. Nobody's going to build their life and build their house on a sinking ship. No reasonable person is going to build up treasures, lay up treasures uh, where uh, the rust and the moth destroy. Nobody's going to put their life savings in a place where they know that thieves can come in and steal. And it says, and the world is passing away. We know that. So why do we continue to lay up treasures here on earth? But then it says, the world is passing away along with its desires. So be careful as we lay up treasures that are treasures that are in heaven. But if you lay up treasures here on earth as they pass, as they pass away, because we know the world is, is decaying, the world is dying, the world is going to hell. And as we lay up treasures here on earth that pass away, be careful because the treasures are going to take you with them. It says in verse 17, the world is passing away along with its desires. But verse, but the end of the verse, it's where we get some hope. It says, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And this is not something that is hard to understand. We've talked about it the last several weeks, to, to practice righteousness, to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And it says, as we have this internal change, as we repent and trust Christ, there's this internal change that points us to a new behavior, a new pattern, not of sin, not, not a pattern that continues into sin, but a pattern of righteousness that does the will of God. And he says, those who do the will of God abide forever. This morning, as we've looked at this, this doesn't mean that we can't have desires for good things in the world. I'm not saying that you can't long to build a family or to have a great career or to have some accomplishments in your life. I'm not saying that, and John's not saying this. It's simply just showing us where we put our priorities in our life, and that the Lord takes supreme priority, that we treasure Him above all, but also that we view our desires in view of the glory of God. Psalm 73 tells us, against Against the lust of the flesh and against the lust of the eyes, the psalmist writes, he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? There's nothing upon the earth that I desire besides you. So let us desire nothing more than God. 
because everything else we understand is going to pass away. Let us possess nothing more than the things that God has given us. Let us pursue nothing more than the life that God has laid out before us. Colossians 3.17, 1 Corinthians 10.31 say similar things. Basically, it says everything you do, whether you eat or drink, we do it all for the glory of God. Let me encourage you. The desires that you have, have the desires in view of the glory of God. What is, what is your purpose here on earth? It's to give glory to the Lord. So everything else has to come under the view of the glory of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you f- that you've given us the scripture so we can live accordingly. Lord, thank you for the grace for when we fail to measure up. Lord, I pray that you would lead us to repentance, Lord. That you would show us the condition of our heart, Lord, and that we would respond accordingly. Lord, show us in our life where we've built up these idols that we've placed more affection, that we've devoted more time to. Lord, forgive us. Lord, and lead us to be used by you for your kingdom. Lord, it's in your name I pray. Amen.
Sing this life and breathe on this heart that is now. 